Now you should listen to this because this concerns you. Hello, friends and neighbors. This is Dave Slusher. This is the Evil Genius Chronicles, evilgeniuschronicles.org for Monday, December 13th, 2004. And once again, it's been like five days since the last one, and this was never my intention. And I actually sat down to record uh, a podcast uh, twice this weekend. But it's, it, here's the deal. In the early, early days of doing this, I mentioned, and at the time, you know, Adam mentioned the same thing, how our spouses would kind of walk by and give us the stink eye when we're doing this, this, what are you sitting there talking into a microphone for? Well, it's kind of escalated around here to the point where it's just not even, (laughs) it's weird because like listenership grows and grows and grows and I get, you know, people talking to me and you know, reporters calling and things like that. And yet the more that goes on, the less my wife thinks this is of any value. It's really, really weird. So uh, I ended up, so I've basically gone into complete avoidance mode where I try to do like on the weekend, I try to record it before she wakes up. I try to record it when she's in the shower or in her office working or she runs to the store. So I'm just completely furtive. It's like, you know, it's like I was running off to smoke dope or, you know, do something illicit or having an affair or something. It's like I'm going behind her back to record these damn things. It's like, oh, she's she's in the shower. I've got 25 minutes. I can record one. And so I started to do one. Let's see. I started to do one Sunday morning and she woke up and uh, just called the whole thing off. And then... Sunday night, she kind of sequestered herself in her office, and she was doing some work. And uh, I thought she was only going to be in there for a minute. She's in there for like an hour. And so at at some point, I said, well, screw this. If she's going to be off in her office doing stuff, I'm going to record a podcast. So I took the time and got prepared and got ready. And I was 90 seconds in where I see her face at my uh, at my the window to my office giving me the stink eye. And I'm like, ah, oh, shit. So uh, I, close calls, and both times just because uh, I just said, ah, she's if she's going to make the little wave face through the window, then I'm just going to shut the whole thing down. <laughs> I'll go out to the living room. So that was that. And so I didn't intend, I wanted to put an episode out this weekend, and it just didn't happen. So I have been relating how here in Conway, South Carolina, it's been unseasonably warm. Uh, not freakish, but it's been in the 70s for, I think, most of last week and maybe even the week before. Well, the kind of unseasonality is gone, and now we're kind of reverting back to seasonality. And while, you know, it's not as cold here as it would have been in Chicago, um, it's, you know, it's. I now have to wear a coat. Ugh. You know. I know there are people with worse privations in their existence, but, uh, you know, to me that's a setback, having to wear the coat. But the worst thing is now that the weather, as the weather turned to kind of where it should have been, uh, it's hitting me hard. All of a sudden, like, when I woke up this morning, my nose just started pouring and my throat felt raw and scratchy. I'm like, man, it took one day. The weather gets seasonal for one day and I'm a mess. 
but I ended up doing that most autumnal of activities, raking leaves for, I guess by the clock it was less than two hours, but it felt like 20. It felt like I was out there, you know, working hard labor, breaking the rocks. By the time I had raked up this yard, and it's a sizable yard, and into a pile by the side of the road, man, I just felt like uh, laying down and taking a, sleeping for 15 hours, which more or less is what I did. Um, on Friday, I appeared on Script School Radio at scriptschool.com, and that was pretty cool, and we had a good talk, and it was kind of sold to me to come onto this show, which is uh, primarily focused for adult webmasters, and I didn't realize that the adult almost kind of isn't there. It's really a show for webmasters, uh, and a lot of them are adult webmasters, but, you know, who cares? There was actually no adult content whatsoever. But because it was kind of obvious from their uh, back channel, they have an IRC chat that goes along with the show, that a lot of people didn't know what podcasting was. We ended up kind of talking about the history and backing up to explaining what it is. So I was on for over 40 minutes. And it was you know, originally going to be on for like a 15-minute segment talking about BitTorrent. So I got on there about 20 after 5 Eastern, and I was on there until actually beyond the top of the hour. So it kind of ran over long on the show just to kind of wrap things up, and it was fun. And uh, it was – I've been involved in hundreds of radio interviews and hundreds of phone interviews. This is the first time I've ever been on the other end for an audio interview. Um, I have been re- interviewed for you know print journalism, but I'd never been uh, on the other end of a radio interview or you know a podcast interview or anything like that before. So it was an interesting experience, and it gives me a sympathy for the people that are on the other end for say a reality break or a voices in your head interview because it's hard work the whole time. And I'm talking about all 40 minutes. The thought in my head was, am I making a goddamn bit of sense? Am I just foaming at the mouth? Am I giving this guy anything like what he was asking me for? Am I at all helpful here? And uh, so he said that it was. T. David, uh, the host, said that it was kind of what he was after. We took a break in the middle, and I, you know, I made myself available for mid-course correction. And he said, no, keep doing what you're doing. And it's like, okay. I feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm just rambling, as I do here. But, you know, steer, steer the ship as you see fit, Captain. So that was all good. And now typically that first hour does not get podcast. And then they have an archive of the second hour of the show, which is for a more general audience. And they do podcast that. For my appearance, they're going to make an exception. And he's going to excerpt my piece, which really was, you know, t- two-thirds of the whole show. And they're going to make that available via their podcast channels. So whenever that is available, I'll post a link to it. And you can go and you can actually download the interview if you missed it. So my one big disappointment is that I was looking forward to taking calls. And we had kind of a near miss with somebody who was trying to Skype call in. And surprise, surprise, it didn't work. That's, you know, Skype has all this promise. But really, when I use it, that doesn't seem to be that atypical. I mean, I've... I've you know, had a few successes and more failures than successes when I try to use Skype for anything. I mean, even just making a normal call. But that was all good, and uh, so T. David indicated that maybe they'll have me back on sometime, and I would, I would do it again. It was fun, and maybe next time we can get some, get some a little more user love, a little more listener calls, long time listener, first time caller kind of action. So 
I didn't get that, and I did want that. I saw some of the references to this uh, Internet and Society conference that was happening at Harvard last weekend. And I saw um, somebody had, I guess this was the transcript from their IRC back channel or, or something, uh, where somebody was talking uh, about Tony Khan's podcasting presentation, which if anybody has the audio of that, if somebody captured it and uh, has that available, it sounded really interesting. And uh, it's really cool that Tony was uh, cheerleading that particular panel or what's the terminology discussion leader but it's kind of like moderator it's, it's like being the uh, traffic cop in a riot <laughs> sort of from my experience in that format uh a little tighter than that but it's uh it looks to be a tough job and i imagine uh tony could pull it off if anyone can and i saw that my name was uh taken in vain and they played something for my show and it always both makes me happy and makes me nervous when I see that ab about things like this. Uh, hell, at that script school, they started off the top of the show by playing excerpts of me talking about my kind of fears of being on script school radio, which uh, was a sobering experience. But, you know, it's part of part of the, the what you get when you live your life kind of when you let it all hang out like this. You know, it's, it's part of the price of candor. And, and I... You know, understand, and I'm willing to pay that part of the price. But uh, I, so I'm curious to know more about what went on at this internet and society thing. It sounds like it was kind of a combination of the blogger con uh, unconference style for some of the sessions, and kind of a, your typical, you know, four, five, six people on a panel uh, addressing the audience for a lot of it. And um, so I'm just curious how. Uh, if anybody has that audio, please point me to it because I would like to uh, like to see that. I'm going to play a song here. I actually was going to play. I'm going to play two songs from the Comfort Stand Exotica uh, collection, which was the very first Comfort Stand re release called Two Zombies Later." And again, this this came from the Exotica mailing list, and so it's a two CD collection of songs, uh, basically uh, user user created or so people are on this mailing list uh, for this kind of music this exotica which is kind of retro space age you know cocktail nation era you know music to listen to while you look at your art deco furniture kind of music and when they put out the call for it uh, subscribers to the mailing list actually put out their own music and they got enough to make a two CD compilation and I believe that that experience is part of what formed the, uh, caused the formation of the Comfort Stand label. Here's a song from Don Tiki called The Natives Are Restless from the album Two Zombies Later. And listen to this because this got a little bit of the Tom Jones in it. Listen to this and tell me if you agree with that. Don Tiki, The Natives Are Restless. Tell you about my neighborhood Cause if you visit me 
stay out of the shadows, stay in the bright, bright light. Don't take fright, the natives are restless tonight.
of my my time. Chase it with a little cover combo for yours and my delight. That was Don Tiki with The Natives Are Restless Tonight. That was from the Comfort Stand release, Two Zombies Later, the uh, collection of Exotica music. And I'm going to play another song from that because I really like that. That When I heard that last year, I thought that was one of the best albums uh, of calendar year 2003. And it was like free. And I thought it beat the shit out of most of the things I was hearing on commercial radio. I had downloaded over the weekend the Waka Chicka Waka Chicka, which is also from Comfort Stand, and it's a um, it's a collection of what they call porn grooves. And I thought that was sounded kind of interesting. And now thus far, I haven't given a like a top to bottom start at you know the beginning of first song and listen all the way to the end. I actually kind of sampled, and I was trying to find something that I liked enough to play on here. I have to say that it it just wasn't as interesting as it sounded like it would be. So I'll I'll give it all a full listen at some time later, and if I find any songs that I really like on there, I'll play them in here. But I just I wasn't knocked out. I expected uh, that I would you know find something and it'd be ah great. And what I really thought I was going to get was kind of just unironically playing music like you would hear in a porn movie like scoring an imaginary porn movie that didn't happen that's what i was hoping for but it's not what we got instead i thought it was very self-conscious it was kind of uh, trying to be something all the all the songs that i heard seemed a little too affected i think it wasn't wasn't really what i was shooting for so uh, I was a little disappointed. That's actually the first comfort stand thing I've heard that I was at all disappointed in. By and large, everything I've ever heard on there I thought was just awesome. Um, in the history of the podcast community in its short life, you know, the, the ancient history of three and a half months ago, it's kind of been a love-in and everybody's, uh, everybody's been pretty happy with each other. And I don't know, it feels like things, it feels like just the beginning of kind of the real world is setting in, like the honeymoon is over. And from my perspective, I had that happen today where for the first time I I, I said no to somebody about one of these requests. And by and large, I think up to this point, anything anyone's ever asked, I've said yes to. You know, whether it's doing stuff. Now, there's a few things that I think I, I... exerted a de facto pocket veto because I just forgot to do it or misfiled the email or, or you know, didn't reply to things in time. But I've never actually said no, like, I don't want to do that. Well, th- I had to do one of those today. And not 100% sure it was the right call, but it just felt like the right call. So over at uh, podcast host Tom Simpson, who is the same guy, I think, that does WebFeed Central, um, emailed me, and he's setting up a place... Um, to do BitTorrents. And he's going to have, as I understand it, you can take your file and you can upload it and it'll create a torrent and it'll start seeding. Now, I'm not 100% sure if you had to already create the, create the torrent. Uh, not, not quite sure, but he asked if they could host my torrents. And I said no. And, well, let me back up. He actually said 
he said something which I, made me think a little bit was he was asking me, even though I have the Creative Commons license uh, on my podcast, which I think to me kind of implied to me that he thinks he could have done it without permission. And I'm not, I don't know if that is a broad reading of what I'm licensing with the Creative Commons or if I'm misunderstanding it. Uh, I've got the uh, non-commercial, share-alike, attribution uh, license on this. So I guess as long as they were attributing the thing to me, they could do that. But they asked anyway, and I didn't, I just didn't want them to. Mainly because, uh, from my perspective, hosting the torrent file just doesn't do anything for me. Uh, the torrent file is like a 5K, 8K file. And it doesn't, uh, there's no real benefit to me. It's a very small file. So for them to physically host the file for me, you know, who cares? <laughs> but what it does do is now it, it, it dilutes and makes kind of weird, where do you go to get the torrent file? Well, you could go here at my site, or you could go here. They have a copy of it. But what happens, as has happened, where I screwed up the, the I screwed up something either had an egregious error in the mp3 and had to retract the whole thing. Uh, I had that happen like two or three episodes ago where I was playing it back for myself and I heard a horrible mistake. So I immediately shut down my uh, torrent and like five or ten people had gotten it. Immediately shut down my torrent and then you know, retracted the whole thing and uh, you know, redid it and pushed it back out there. Well, if other people have mirrors of that torrent, that just gets that much harder and so the loss of control doesn't buy me anything. So I might readdress this or I might change my mind. And I also don't understand why these guys have to physically have the torrent file. I mean, why not just link to the torrent file if they want to do whatever? If they want to be a central resource for torrents, why do they have to host the file? I, I didn't understand that part of it. But so I, I, I said no, and I don't know. I feel a little bit weaselly about it. I feel like... Hey, Mr. Big Shot, who are you? You know, and Mr. Big Shot won't let us host this torrent, but you know, it just doesn't do anything for me. And uh, at this stage of the game, I'd rather be cautious. I can always let them do it later, but it would, it's hard to undo. So I'm going to be cautious and not start something that's hard to undo when I don't see any clear gain for it. I don't, I mean, I don't see any reason. I mean. I guess from their end, it might they want to be kind of the definitive hosting place, but that doesn't, you know, I don't want to sound like a prick, but that doesn't really do anything for me. So uh, there, there you go, <laughs> my my little prick moment of the day, which you know, I'm sorry guys, it's just the decision for today. Um, and then the last thing I'm going to talk about, I'll play that other song, and then we shall roll on. We shall all float on. Um, I linked this, I blogged this on the text blog a couple days ago, this piece by Teresa Nielsen Hayden at Making Light, and she was talking about this movement to uh, where uh, this conservative group wants to ban all literature, like I think all movies, all literature, all TV from schools that has any um, positive portrayal of homosexuality. And so she attacked it with, I thought, kind of a funny uh, direction, 
which is pointing out that essentially what this guy is preaching is the gospel of homosexuality triumphant, which is that homosexuality is so appealing that if anybody hears anything about it and it's not obvious that you you know, won't just immediately die, that if there's anything at all positive about it portrayed, like that you can survive being a homosexual, boom, people will flock to it. <laughs> and that essentially uh, what they're saying is uh, that homosexuality wins. Homosexuality is a trump card, and that's why we have to prevent anybody from hearing any positive things about it. And that was an interesting front to kind of fight that philosophical battle. And so I thought that was kind of funny. And, and she went on to kind of talk about the, the, that in a broader sense as, as the, uh, the doctrine of Satan triumphant. And this... Uh, is a little more what I'm, I'm familiar with. It's, it's the same philosophical principle. Um, when I was a young man, before my apostasy began, <laughs> when I was, say, in uh, my early teens, when I actually was a churchgoer, um, that was a big thing. This was the early 80s, and at the time was kind of at the height of the Bob Larson fervor, the hunt for hidden references to Satan, or things backwards in songs that refer to Satan or cryptic drug references or hidden things about Satan or you know just, and that's I never quite understood that I sort of went along with it because it was the thing we were doing and you know in our youth group we would do this and we would you know whatever screaming for vengeance has uh, some kind of satanic reference and hotel california they stab it with their steely knives that's a reference to a satanic ritual and so the whole crux of this is if you can't tell it's satan when you listen to it if you have to have it explained to you that you're hearing about satan how the fuck can it corrupt you i mean how is satan turning these christians these strong christians with the belief in their faith, how is he turning them with this thing that's so hidden that you need, you know, the annotated guide to Satan? <laughs> You'll never know it's about Satan unless somehow you get the cliff notes about the song. And so she was saying that that's part of the gospel of Satan triumphant, that Satan's so powerful, so much more powerful than God, that a hint of Satan even if you don't know it's Satan, just a hint of it can just bring about damnation. And uh, I thought it was a very interesting way to kind of frame that issue. That uh, that I, even when I was of this kind of ilk and, and wanting to believe this, I could never quite understand how a cryptic rock song is supposed to get me to go to hell. How is it supposed to get me to turn from my faith? Oh, that line, hmm, when I hear it, I love God less. <laughs> that, that doesn't happen. And some sort of, I guess the idea was going to be that there's this very subtle seduction of, you know, Christians into the lifestyle because those steely knives sounded so great. And uh, I just, <laughs> I was very glad to see Teresa kind of put this into uh to, to kind of put this in words that I never had words for but the gospel of Satan triumphant that's an interesting thing to think about that if you were one of these people and you were saying we cannot have any reference to that occur 
you're essentially saying that that thing is awfully powerful and it's probably more powerful than the thing I'm advocating. So you might want to be careful with these prohibitions because you might be admitting that the other side is awfully, awfully strong. And is that really what you believe? Is that really what you think? Is that really what you want people to think about your faith? So bear that in mind. All right, I'm going to play that last song and then we will get out of here. This is Otis Fodder. Again, from the album Two Zombies Later from Comfort Stand, this is Brilliant Pillows, Many Moons. You know, not all of the music of today is like this. Some of it is like this. That was Otis Fodder from the album Two Zombies Later from the Comfort Stand internet label with a song, Brilliant Pillows, parentheses, Many Moons, parentheses. I don't know exactly what any of that means, but whatever. It's a good song. I like it. And as I was listening to this, it occurs to me how, in general, relatively mellow the music I play on here is, which is weird because it doesn't encapsulate my taste because my, my tastes actually go from far mellower than this, like into that ambient music you can barely tell is music, all the way up to like hardcore thrash, and um, I wasn't a Pantera uh, fan per se, uh, you know, if I heard it, uh, I liked it, but I never went out and sought it, so like when uh, Daryl Abbott was shot recently, it didn't, didn't have quite the visceral impact to me, other than the fact that I am generally not in favor of having musicians assassinated on stage. Uh, not not a good thing in any case, 
but it didn't quite hit me the same way as, say, a big Pantera fan. But Pantera is of the ilk of music I like, and I like punk, and I like a lot of stuff. And our brother Mike Butler uh, dedicated a song to me the other day, and it was a six-pack from uh, Black Flag, uh, the Rollins era. And it occurred to me that Butler, when he plays music for me, plays music I like, but it's always like kick-ass, thrashy, like hard, rocking stuff. And then the music I play for myself is generally not kick-ass, <laughs> hard rocking stuff. I guess the Sonia Tetlow and the Sonia Tetlow band is probably about as hard as I've rocked in here. But it tends to be mellower, and like the Gentle Readers, it's relatively mellow, and this is mellow stuff. So I, I should go out of my way to play some kind of uh, uh, jamming, <laughs> hard, thrashy music. So maybe I'll try to scare up some for the next one. So thank you for listening. This has been the Evil Genius Chronicles Clam Bake episode for December 13th, 2004. If you got any feedback, send it to dslusher at gmail.com. And if you want to see the show notes or the weblog, it's at evilgeniuschronicles.org. Thank you for listening. Thank you for caring. Keep the faith. Fight the power. Stick it to the man. And I will catch you again next time. Bye. <laughs>